Wow. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, one of the things that has a tendency to happen on a holiday weekend is you got most of everybody is running around somewhere in the country, particularly since there's, it's the four-day weekend. So I appreciate very much you being here. Thank you. Some of you all knew I was teaching. Some of you didn't know. And that's okay. Um, my style is a little different than most. I do a lot of study and preparation for the times when I come to minister. But I don't usually make an outline. What do you mean by that? Generally, I talk to you like I'd be talking to you over my kitchen table. I will explain to you what I've learned. And if, I, if it, it's not working in my life, I'm not going to tell you about it. Okay? Because I've learned that you don't do this artificial stuff. Okay? And you tell somebody it works, and when they try it and does it, then they get mad at me because I'm the one that told them. Okay? Has anybody ever experienced anything like that? But don't look at the one that told you that. <laughs> Praise God. It's such a humbling thing to be able to stand here um, in light of the men and women who have come before me. Um, you know, Pastor Shannon and Pastor T are incredible ministers of the gospel. And uh, <laughs> they each have their own style. You're inspired by Pastor Shannon, and you want to run out of the building when, <laughs> when Pastor T's here. And it's, it's the glory of God that comes upon him and, and the word, and it's, it's just wonderful. So I'm humbled um, to be able to just come up after men and women like that. Um, I want to thank the worship team. I have been part of some major organizations that um, for some reason pointed their finger at me to kind of coordinate with the worship leaders. And the thing that is unique about this team is that they share from their heart. And when it comes from the heart, then everybody can enjoy and begin to worship freely. I have been in groups where those who've been um, ministering in worship have been entertaining. Now, I'm sure none of you all have ever experienced anything like that. But if you want to be entertained, go turn your television on. This is about a relationship with the Lord of glory. There is none like him. None like him. He is the only one that got out of the grave and stayed out. Praise God. I know that the Muslims like to say that Muhammad and his horse ascended to the mountain and got into heaven, but I'm telling you, neither him nor the horse made it. Our Jesus is Lord of all. And because you belong to him, you should be the happiest people on earth. Because it's in him that we triumph all the time. Praise God. 
I'm going to talk to you about hope today. Is that okay? God called me to begin to minister on hope when I I started seeing a lot of the things um, in the world going sideways. And, pardon me? That's okay. You know, when you're married, you always got to check with your wife. All the men said amen. Praise God. I know I was ministering at one time, and uh, it's back when you actually wore suits and stuff, when you preached the gospel. And I stepped down off the platform and was kind of walking across the front of the congregation. And I walked by my wife, and she reached up and picked some lint off of my, <laughs> off my suit. Now, did that disrupt the anointing? No, it disrupted me. <laughs> but God kept working. Praise God. We as believers need to have fun in what we do. Because the joy of the Lord is your There you go. That was kind of weak now. Let's try this again. There's group participation in what I do. Okay? So let's try this again. The joy of the Lord is your There you go. Praise God. So you can talk back to me. You can say amen. Preach it, brother. Oh, hurt me. Come on. Stuff like that. You can do that. It's okay. When we got, when we got saved, um, we found that there were like two or three different types of congregations. There's the congregations that talk to you, okay? Um, and, and please don't be offended by that, but those congregations were predominantly black folks. Okay? All right? And there's nothing wrong with that. An interchange kind of inspires the minister to begin to preach. And they know that they're going the right direction when you got somebody saying amen. Preach it, brother. Come on. Give it to me. Okay? And then you got the quiet crowd who just wants to listen and see what you got to say. And then they'll talk about you when they go out the door. Now, those of you who have been ministers of the gospel, you know what I'm saying, it's true, okay? And then you got the third kind, which kind of look at you like, what are you trying to say? I don't understand this at all. That's the group that needs to get saved. Because without being born again, the things of God are confusing to you. Praise God. So we shouldn't be surprised when the heathen hears what we got to say, that they have no idea what's going on. Praise God. All right, there we go. I've reached one person today. Glory to God. Praise God. For those of you who don't know anything about me, I'm going to give you a, a brief bio. Um, it's just one of those things that sometimes helps people along a little bit. I am originally from Columbus, Ohio, but I've turned, in my, I've turned in my Yankee uniform and I'm officially a rebel from Florida. Praise God. We've been in Florida since 1998. So and after five years, you can get the tattoo and you, they teach you the, the secret handshake. So I've got those. Praise God. 
I first met Jesus when I was a, when I was a, a small kid in a Baptist church. Okay? We went to what at that point was called nursery school. We call it daycare nowadays. And the woman that owned the nursery school was a, a Baptist woman. And there was a group of kids that always gave her trouble. I was associated with. <laughs> so uh, two weeks a year, she would pack us all in this station wagon. And that's back when station wagons had the fold-out seat in the back. And she would put four kids across on the seat, sit four kids on their lap in the back seat, and then in the fold-up seat in the back, there'd be three kids and three more. And then up in the front seat, she would drive with three kids and three more. Okay? So, you know, you kind of had to hold your, your breath to get the doors closed. And thankfully, it wasn't too far to go to this vacation Bible school. Now, you went for two weeks, and then they had this um, end of session uh, Celebration, that's a good word for it. Thank you. See, she does help every now and then. And in that celebration, you know, they, they go through and there's music, there's a little bit of preaching, and then there's the altar call. Now, if you all have ever been in a Baptist altar call, okay, the thing that happens all the time is that they play just as I am. Just as I am. And about the 50th time you heard it, you figure just about everybody that's coming to the front is there. And about the 48th time I heard it in this celebration, I went up front. And this guy said, do you know what you're doing? And I told him, no idea. <laughs> I just felt like I needed to come. Sometimes we're just in that place where we've got no idea. I just need to come. And he got up there and he said, well, let me introduce you to Jesus. And we prayed the prayer. And I got saved about eight or nine years old. My family didn't go to church. So by the time I was a teenager, I was a professional heathen. None of you all have ever been there, I'm sure. <laughs> so if you were to look at me, you would have no idea that I had been saved. And all during that time, I would have people try to preach the gospel to me, and I would point back to that eight-year-old kid and say, I've probably got that. But they look at my life, and they think, oh, it's a mess. Brother, if you've got it, you're infected with something else. <laughs> so there was a time that I, I ran into, well, I had worked for several different companies, and it seemed as though if I went to work for them, within five years, they'd go out of business. So I, was in, I ended up working at a grocery store in a produce room. And there was a guy named Roger that lived there that I swear had to be a cousin of the Apostle Paul. Because everyone that came back in that produce room, he ministered the gospel to. And he ministered the gospel to me, and I kept pointing to that eight-year-old kid. And he finally got tired of it. The only time I saw him get angry was when he was looking at me. And he told me the truth. He said, if you have Jesus in your life, he's not real to you anymore. And then he pointed his finger at me and said, what are you going to do about Jesus? 
Now, I'm standing in the produce room on a pallet with some lettuce behind me, a cigarette in my hand, and looking at him in the eye. And nobody ever said that to me in that way. And I knew I had to make a decision, another one, to follow him. To follow him. And things began to change from that point on. I went home, and at that point, Mary and I were living together. Yes, I know, it was living in sin. It's okay. And I told her what happened. And she said to me, I'm afraid you're going to be one of those Jesus freaks. She did. Well, it wasn't too long. She became one of those Jesus freaks. We got married. And let me tell you, you married folks know that it wasn't an easy road to walk. Because I'm stubborn, and I'm not going to tell you what she is. But we began to grow together in Christ. And we learned how to do some things together. And we also learned how to give one another freedom to walk in who we are and to be who we are. Praise God. You understand that women see things differently than men? Now, men don't really understand that. I'll give you an example. There's the birth of a baby. A man walks in, he looks, okay, he's got the eyes, all the facial features are there, hands, feet, fingers, kid's good, and he walks away. Women come together, and they don't come by themselves. There's a group that comes, okay? And as they come, they start pointing out, oh, look at those little eyes. Oh, isn't that color incredible in those things? Even got a little bit of hair up there. All of those fingers, they're such pudgy little things, look like little sausages. And they give you a description of the whole child, okay, going part by part. Now, if a guy's standing there, he'll just walk away. But the women will do that for 15, 20 minutes, okay, and, and being excited about what they're seeing. So, the basic understanding is men are headlighters, women read the book. They do detail. Why is that important? Because in the things of God, if we understand that we're different, that a teacher sees things differently than an evangelist, and a pastor different than a prophet, we shouldn't be the same. God made each one of us to look different. You can run into people that look similar to you, but it's okay. So look at your neighbor and say this, be yourself. Be who Jesus made you to be. Amen. Praise God. So, even though I got saved and and by the time I was a teenager, it's kind of a heathen head. I still had a sense of belonging to God. 
I didn't understand it. I was kind of confused by it. And then in my senior year in high school, I was involved in a serious car accident, which I wasn't supposed to live. I was driving a Volkswagen Beetle. I got hit by a Bonneville. Anybody remember those Bonnevilles? They were road boats. Okay. One of the biggest cars on the highway at that time. I got hit head on. Okay. My girlfriend was sitting next to me. And in Volkswagens, there was no padding on the dashboards. It was all metal. And on the passenger side, there was this little handle that was in the, in the dash. Now, when I hit, I pushed the brake pedal into the floor and broke the steering wheel. My girlfriend hit her head on that metal bar and pushed in the front of her forehead. And I looked at her and I thought she was dead. There were two people in the back seat, one broke her jaw, one broke her arm. So because I wanted to get around to my girlfriend, I opened up the car and started around back. And when I got to the back of the car, I couldn't go anymore. I didn't know I had internal injuries and that I was bleeding. So I sat down and there was a highway patrolman there who happened to uh, be trying to pull the, the person over who was on the wrong side of the divided highway that hit me. And he tried to pull me out, but he couldn't do it. At that time, I was a mere shadow of the man that I am now. I weighed 190 pounds. I was an athlete, played football and lacrosse. And at any rate, he couldn't move me. So I had no idea what was going on with anybody else in the car. We got thrown into an ambulance. They carried us to the hospital. The doctor told me when they rolled me into the uh, operating room, he said, I don't know if we can save you. Now, isn't that good news? But he was being straightforward. And my response to him was, you do what you can do, and I'll do the rest. Now, that was God speaking through me. Even though I was a heathen head. Why are you saying all this? Because once you belong to God, you're his. So it's okay to booger up. It's not the, the preferred way to do it. But God will get a hold of you in the way that he can to bring you to the place you need to be. So it's not always up to you. In fact, it's rarely up to you. There's a time when you do have to repent. Turn around. Go the other way. Praise God. Isn't that good news? Yes. All right. That's better than finding out that, you know, some people tell you that God's mad at you because you, you do sin. Well, you live in a sinful world, and you got a body that sinned all the time until you got saved. you got to retrain it. Okay? So it's okay to mess up. Just don't live there. Praise God. So... Having survived the produce evangelist, I felt the call to ministry. So I started studying, got involved with a, a, uh, an organization that um, went through their Bible school and got ordained in 1986 and began to minister. 
did some itinerary, itinerant ministry, and uh, found out that I wasn't a preacher, that I really wasn't an evangelist, that what I was was a teacher. And at that time, teachers were looked at kind of out of the side of your eye, you know, because in the circles that we were running in, you had the preachers that yelled at you. Y'all probably have never heard any of those. Okay. And you had the guys who were kind of quiet and, you know, wanted to be a blessing to you. And we just considered those pastors. Okay. And, you know, they'd hold your hand and say, bless your heart. Okay. But to me, all of that was artificial. I needed something real. And Jesus is real. Praise God. He is our living God. So, I became an instructor at a, at a Bible institute, and I've done everything that there is to do in the church. You know, I've, I've pastored, I've ministered from the pulpit, I've ministered in Bible studies, I've cleaned the churches, yes, even the bathrooms. I've done just about everything there is, children's ministry, teen ministry, Am I called to all of that? Thank God, no. Because <laughs> there's some folks you're called to I don't want anything to do with. It doesn't mean I don't love them. Just I don't want anything to do with them. Okay? You little babies. I can handle little babies. They don't talk back to you. Okay? And I'm not too bad, too bad until they get about 10 or 11. And then they start their little rebellion stuff. I don't much care for that. Love the kids, okay? So why am I telling you all of this? Because I want you to understand that there isn't much I haven't experienced already in the church. Most of it's been good, some of it not so good. But I'm still with Jesus. He is still Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So if you have your Bible, Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to look at the 13th verse. Are you ready? Yes. Praise God. Remember, you can talk to me now. Amen. All right. When you get out of hand, I got a bouncer over here. We'll take care of it. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these are love. There are three primary virtues then that are in the life of a believer. Faith, hope, and love. Why is love the greatest? Because God is love. And love is God. God is love. And love is God. So when you love someone, God is moving through you to touch their life. That's exciting. Okay? Because there's a lot of folks sitting out there that don't feel like God's using them at all. And you've, you're called to touch lives. Aren't you? Okay. So go ahead. When you love someone, God's working through you. 
And he'll begin to open your eyes to see some things about those whom you love and give you opportunity to do some of those things that you see. Amen? Okay. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay. Now give me one more smile. Okay. Just feeling a little bit better now, okay? So what does it mean to abide? This is the group participation part. <laughs> abide. Dwell. To dwell with. There, there is an element of, of obedience in there. Okay? So if faith, hope, and love abide, it's part of your life. Okay? So why do people pray and ask for more love, more hope, more faith? The faith that you have is the faith of Jesus. The love that you have is the love of God. The hope that you have is the hope of God. Is there any more that you can get? No. There's not. So let me just suggest that you don't ask for any more. Ask the Holy Spirit how to use what you have. Praise God. Because when you begin to walk in those things, lives change, beginning with yours. And if you're trying to change somebody else's life, <laughs> that's not your job. And I'm hoping the women are listening to that. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in all my years of ministry, the majority of the people I minister to are women. Okay? So I have an appreciation for women, but I also know, because I have so much experience, kind of where you live. Okay? So don't take it personal. But a woman wants to mother, and a mother wants to make things better. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? But you also have to make the allowance for the, for the other folks. So, as we're moving on in this, the love, love is the greatest because God is love. One of the things that you first learn about God is that's what he is. A song has a child. Do you know what that song is? Jesus loves me. Go ahead. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Praise God. See, that was the group participation part. You did pretty good that time. Okay. First John tells us that if we don't love, we don't know God. So because you know God, you know love. Faith. Everybody say faith. faith. It's that five-letter word. Faith enables us to receive what has been promised us from God. Faith enables us to be what God has called us to be. Faith is an enabler. Praise God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Praise God. And because faith is a gift, 
then you don't have to go shopping around for it. It's yours already. Amen. Is this helping at all? Okay. When you walk by faith and not by sight, it sometimes confuses people. It's as though you're ignoring what's going on in the natural. Okay? And you understand that the natural is subject to change. Pastor quoted a scripture here just a, a few minutes ago. The things in the natural are temporal, which means subject to change. And if you begin to develop the attitude that these things I'm facing are subject to change, then you can begin to take your stand to make that change. You are called to fight the good fight of faith. Which means that you then must find your weapon in the word. And you take that weapon and you begin to use it as a weapon. Praise God. Anybody ever been in a fight? Okay, not everybody has to raise their hand. I'm talking about a physical fight, okay? But you know what a good fight is? A good fight is one that you win. I have been in good fights. I have been in not so good fights. But I'm going to tell you the good fight is better. Praise God. You might be a little sore afterwards, but at least you're the victor. And it is our God who causes us always to triumph in Christ Jesus. Can you develop the attitude of a believer? The answer to that is yes, you can if you want to. But there are some of us who are warriors. My mother was a professional warrior. If she could have got paid for worrying, she'd have been a very wealthy woman. And she taught me how to worry. She didn't sit me down and say, look, you got to do this, this, this. By her example, I learned what it is to worry. Okay? And worry does awful things to you. It'll cause you to lose weight. Maybe I need to start that again. I don't know. (laughs) It'll cause you to lose your hair. It'll cause all kinds of physical aspects in your body. Praise God. So worry, worry means that you believe the thing that you're facing is permanent. Praise God. Remember, you're an overcomer. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an overcomer. Praise God. Praise God. So, hope, it's one of those words that is kind of in the church, but somewhat misunderstood. When you ask somebody to define hope, normally what they they begin to describe is a desire of some sort, okay? It's what I wish would happen, okay? We're going fishing tomorrow. We hope to catch some fish. But biblical hope is much different than that. Biblical hope 
is an expectation of the goodness of God being manifest in your life to his glory. Praise God. Which means that if my hope, biblically speaking, is in God, then I'm looking to him to bring about those things which I'm believing for. Instead of what most people outside of this church believers do, and that they're trying to believe God for something, and they're trying to make it happen themselves. You ever heard of anybody like that? Pray for them, okay? Praise God. Because they're going to get frustrated. When you're looking to the God who is the source of all things, he knows where it is that you need. He knows what it is that you need. He knows how to put it before you so that you can receive it. And he knows what needs to happen in your heart so that you'll accept it. Our God's a good God. And if we'll rest in him, he'll take the workload. Jesus said, come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So, if hope is only a desire or a wish, that implies that there's some uncertainty in there. If it becomes the expectation that it's designed to be by, for God, then faith has something to work with. Okay? We've had the emphasis on love and the emphasis on faith, but hope is the transition in there. Hope grows out of love and it gives you an expectation. Faith then takes that expectation and brings substance to it. Praise God. So is hope important? You betcha. You betcha. But a lot of times when you hear it from the pulpit, you'll hear it said, all you have is hope. And let me tell you, if you've got hope, you're far ahead of a lot of people. Amen? Particularly if you know what hope is. And you know who your hope is to be in. So how does hope work? Because it's rooted in love, it's a desire to become close to the person that is loved. Do you love Jesus? Do you really love him? How do you know you love him? All right. We've got those, you know, we've got those phrases. He's my everything, and, I, and I'm not belittling what, what the sister just said. But if you really love someone, there's actions that begin to take place that just flow. They become natural. Okay. A couple of those things that take place, and I, I can only tell you from my own experience when I foolishly fell in love with this woman. Okay? Because as I began to fall in love, the thing that happened to me was she was about all I could think about. Anybody else ever experienced anything like that? Begin to think about her all the time. And then... When I thought about 
being able to spend time with her, I start to get excited. Because I realized that she was beginning to feel the same way towards me. And if God already loves me, and I begin to love him, then that expectation, that excitement should draw me towards him. Amen? To be excited to spend time with him. Now, one of the other things that happened was that instead of trying to work her in my schedule, she became the schedule. Anybody else ever experienced that? Praise God. So why is it that we try to work God? I probably shouldn't say that. All right. So you tell me you love Jesus. Is your schedule around him? Are you doing what he wants you to do? Because there wasn't anything she'd ask me I wouldn't do for her. It's a little bit different nowadays, but. (laughs) But you all understand that. When there is a loving relationship in that exchange, there is that desire to want to please the other person. Sometimes even at our own expense. Okay? And God did not spare his only son. He gave you his very best. So do you suppose that he's entitled to our very best? Amen. Praise God. What I'm trying to do is to revolutionize your relationship with Jesus. Okay? Because right now, he's like an acquaintance for a lot of people. I know him, I've made him savior, but am I intimate with him? Now, that word intimacy for a lot of folks implies that there's a sexual aspect to it. And that's not what I'm talking about at all. There is an intimacy that comes in relationship that is a sharing of the heart, a sharing of the secret things that are in the heart, a sharing of visions and of desires and directions and those kinds of things which produces an intimacy that is unique between a couple, sometimes families. And there is an intimacy that God wants to develop with you that is beyond your thinking, beyond your understanding. If God were to reveal to you how much he loved you in a flash. I happened to be ministering to a group of people and it wasn't even about love. But in the middle of of my talking to it, it's as though I had a pair of glasses on and they were lifted up and all of a sudden I saw and felt in my heart what Jesus felt for you. And I had to stop because I was astounded. The love that God has is incredible. It 
I can't even describe it. Just can't describe it. It's as though my whole insides changed. And then it went back. And again, I had to be quiet for a little bit. And trying to explain to people what happened, I couldn't do it. Because it was so unique. So, God's love then for us leads to hope. Love without hope is disappointing. Faith without hope has nothing to give substance to. And hope then is that bridge between faith and love. So it's required. Let's go to Romans chapter 15 and the 13th verse. Romans 15, 13. It's on the screen there, if you like it. Now, I normally use the New King James Version. It's okay. There are some transliterations that I wouldn't use, but the New King James is kind of an update on the, on the King James. It says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. May the God of what? May the God of hope. Now some of your translations may say the God of your hope. And that's okay. Because your source for hope is God. Now hope, joy, and peace in believing or and believing, I'm sorry, are together in this verse. So we know that hope is the offspring of love. Hope ignites imagination. Everybody say imagination. So what happens then as you begin to hope, on the inside you begin to see things. Anybody ever de- daydream? Okay. And I've already told you about my worrying what does worrying do? It builds images on the inside. Hope will build images on the inside. Praise God. Hope stirs up joy. And that joy can bring peace. How many believers do you know that are really filled with joy? Well, hopefully a few more today. We experience disappointment. And sometimes our hope gets deferred, set aside, delayed. And things happen that we believe won't happen. But they happen anyway. How do you deal with that? Well, can I be honest with you? Well, since I have the microphone, I guess I will. (laughs) Sometimes you've got to grieve. If you don't grieve, grieving, a grieving process is part of releasing. Now, when grief becomes dominant, that's a problem. But there is a release. And it's not just in in a person's passing, but it is sometimes in missed opportunities. And things that you thought would happen that didn't happen, sometimes you'll have to grieve over. Okay? But the Bible doesn't tell you to stop. So look at your neighbor and say, don't stop. 
So if hope is rooted in love, and its desire is to become close to the person that it is loved, then hope looks into the word of God, and through meditation, builds an image of what it sees. What do you believe in God for? If you're not believing God for something, you need to do that. Have you a faith project all the time? Praise God. All right? You need to be believing God for something all the time. And it's got to be based in his word so you got something to stand on. Okay? But always have a faith project. What are you believing God for? Who are you believing God for? And understand when you involve other who's, that brings up a whole different set of issues. Because those other who's have their own will. And you cannot change the will of somebody. But God knows how to deal with the heart. That's good news. Praise God. So, how do we develop that image on the inside? One word. Meditation. Everybody say meditation. Meditation. What does it mean to meditate? Well, it depends on who you read after. Sometimes it's just thinking about something over and over again. For me, I have this problem that if I'm just thinking about stuff, my mind doesn't want to stay on one track. It likes to pick a different one about every three minutes. Okay? And since I've learned that about myself, one of the things that I have to do for me is if I'm going to meditate something, I need to speak it. I need to say it. Because for me to say it makes me focus on what I've got to say. Now, some of y'all can just think about those things, and that's fine. You need to find what's best for you. Because I don't expect you to be like me. In fact, I'm thankful that you're not like me. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. It's just that you don't have to deal with some of the stuff that I have to deal with on the inside of me. Praise God. That's good for you. As meditation takes place and you're speaking what it is, the desire in your heart, that image begins to develop. It begins to develop. And it starts to take form. And I learned this from Andrew Womack. We were driving back from someplace up north and um, it didn't have anything with what he was talking about. But he said, he said this basically, that he saw, he was believing God for a Bible. His Bible had parts of it missing and, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard the testimony or not, but he was believing God for a Bible and finally as he was learning how to do this meditation thing, he saw in his spirit the Bible in his hand. And when he saw it in his hand, it wasn't three weeks later, he had his Bible. Praise God. Does that put then your imaging on a schedule? 
No. What it does is it helps you to develop what's going on on the inside. Okay? Some of us are waiting for God to do what he's told us to do. Now, obviously, nobody in this room is like that. Okay? But I've heard, you know, some of these churches down the street, this is Church Road down through here. They struggle with some of those things. Okay? So what I'm talking about is that you have to be disciplined in what you're believing God for. Okay? How many times, now don't raise your hand, but how many times have you had a prayer request, you've submitted it to somebody, you prayed together, and you never touch it again? Probably more than once. Okay? But faith is active. Everybody say active. It means it's constantly moving. But faith is released out of the words of your mouth. So you can go from, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that my needs are met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, how do I keep that going? Father, thank you. My needs are met. I thank you, Lord, that this light bill is paid. I thank you, Father, that what I need is taken care of. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who meets all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and who I am. You understand that if you're a child of God, God's your father. And if he's your father and you're his child, a father is responsible to take care of his children. That's one of the ways a father's love is manifested. Will you allow yourself to see yourself as his child? Praise God. Am I fussing at you? I don't think so. I hope not. Your imagination becomes the blueprint to give substance to faith. The greater your expectation grows, the greater your faith will grow. It grows through meditation. It comes, when it becomes so real inside of you that you see you have it already, it's yours. Hope and imagination are synonymous in the New Testament. Amen? Proverbs 13, 12 says this. I'll give you time to go there if you want. Okay, don't see many pages turning. It's okay, it's probably going to be on the screen up here. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. Isn't that good news? The term deferred in this passage means to put off or to drag out um, as in a long, drawn-out process. Hope deferred. Your expectation put off, dragged out. Deferred doesn't mean stopped or canceled. Isn't that good news? Just remind you that this is the good fight of faith. 
we live in a day and an hour of instant gratification. You know, you can go through McDonald's, order your burger and fries, within two minutes, have it in your car. And within three minutes, have it running down the front of your shirt. <laughs> Praise God. But you understand what I mean. We don't like waiting. It's not our favorite thing to do. Does God make us wait? No. How do you know that? Because the word says now is the acceptable time of salvation. So our God's a now God. Praise God. So what takes so long? I bet you could guess. Most of the time it's us. All right. A lot of the things we say that we believe, are we convinced in our heart? Sometimes we've got to work with these things. Okay? And again, it's not something that you can't attain. Everything that you believe God for is attainable. And you, it doesn't stop coming your direction until you stop believing. Praise God. So what about some of those things that we believed and it happened quite opposite? When we were believing for my mother, she had pancreatic cancer. Ministered the word to her. She said she believed it. And I believe in her heart, she believed that she believed it. But it metastasized. Went into her liver, into her spleen. And then began to be painful. If you try to believe God in the midst of pain, it's hard. It's really hard. So as much as we prayed with her and believed with her, she went on to glory. It broke my heart. I was mad at God because I knew what the word said, but I wasn't living her life. She's the one that decided to go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So then I have to make allowance when I'm praying for somebody else for your will to come to pass. I cannot enforce what I want for you. I can tell you what I'd like to see happen in your life. I can even help finance some of those things. Probably not so much anymore, but... Do you understand what I'm talking about? Okay. But if we then become the people who believe that there is nothing impossible for our God, then we become an inspiration to those who are in need. Praise God. We look at this world and what's going on now and we see the mess that it's in. And we hear the reports, depending on who you're listening to, that it's not going to get any better. There are some that are saying that our economy is going to crash altogether. What has that got to do with you and I? If our God truly is the one who meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory... It means that we'll have what we need when we need it and we don't have to worry about it. 
that we then are free because our needs are met for God to use us to meet the needs of other people so that they can see that you're different, that you're taken care of, that your God loves you with an everlasting love and you can take of your extra substance and meet their need and it gives you opportunity to preach Jesus. When you hand a hungry person a sandwich, they'll listen to you. Praise God. Praise God. Life is good for a believer. It could be a mess if you don't believe. Praise God. You understand that financial prosperity is one of the lowest levels of prosperity there is? but you still want money. Is there anything wrong with money? No, not when you see it as a tool. A tool of ministry, a tool of life. Praise God. Now, have I ever had my hope deferred? Once or twice. I had, over the course of several years, sinus infections that came up all the time on a fairly regular basis. Sinus infection, I'd go to the doctor, he'd give me antibiotics, it'd go away. Another three months later, I'd have another sinus infection. This went on for probably a year and a half. The doctor finally said, okay, let me send you to an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doctor. And he stuck his hose up my nose. If y'all have never had that, thank God. Yeah. He says, okay, what, what I see up here is a polyp. We're going to have to remove it. I had no idea what a polyp was. Okay. But I knew what the word of God said. So what I was going to do was go to battle. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This polyp is gone in Jesus' name. So I start doing battle. And I'm having Mary agree with me and, you know, in the prayer request, we're standing and confessing and doing all the right things. And then it comes to the time where the doctor wants to do another exam to see how extensive the surgery might be. And the polyp is still there. And my hope got deferred. Because I expected it to be gone. Well, then the doctor started to describe what he was going to have to do to remove it. And let me tell you, that was a joy. When he, when he first starts off by saying, we're going to have to take your nose off, that was just the beginning. Okay? I'm not going to give you all the other details. But it came to the time where it was surgery. And the surgery was so specialized, it couldn't be done here in Lake County. Nobody knew how to do it here. So they sent me to Tampa to the university hospital over there. And I spent 10 days in the hospital in Tampa. And they removed the polyp and ended up removing part of my nasal passage. And um, shortly after that, they did radiation. 
and the radiation then was in my forehead and essentially burned up the rest of my olfactory nerve so that my nose doesn't work anymore. Now, there's some advantages to that. Okay. Do I complain about it not working? No, not usually. Um, I'm thankful to be alive. Now, did God lead me to that doctor? The doctor that did it was a female doctor named Judith McCaffrey. She was one of the few doctors in the country that had ever done this kind of surgery before. She was the best. She was the best. So, God led me there. So you got to stop thinking of healing as a miraculous thing. When healing comes, God is your healer. It can come through prayer. It can come through intercession. It can come through study of the word. It can come through medicine. It can come through surgery. But if God is involved, it will come. Praise God. So if y'all don't take a shower, you don't worry about, about me. I can't smell you anyway. <laughs> Praise God. I was thankful to receive that healing. But I was also frustrated. Because now I knew that there's some things I'm going to miss, miss out on. You don't understand how much of eating has to do with you being able to smell your food. Yep. It's important. And after that, I went from just a little over 200 pounds to the place I reside today. None of your business. <laughs> but I'm not in the 300 pound range, okay? Praise God. So there's some adjustments I had to make because of what happened. But God has carried me through this. And God is enabling me to do some other things that I never could have done had I not had this surgery. So am I thankful? Yes, absolutely. Because I have this opportunity to share with you some of the stuff I've had to experience. Praise God. Praise God. Is God a good God? Yes. Say that with some enthusiasm. Yes. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Says this, Now thanks be to God, who always leads me in triumph in Christ. God's for us, isn't he? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God would not withhold his own son, is there anything he will hold from, from you? So why do we make excuses when things don't come in the way that we think they should? How many times have you heard somebody pray and, you know, uh, a little bit later, they're frustrated that it hasn't happened, and they begin to say things like, you know, God's teaching me something. It hasn't manifested yet. I'm sure nobody else in this room has ever heard anything like that. 
okay? But if God wouldn't withhold his son, there's no reason he would withhold anything else. It doesn't make any difference what you've done, where you've been. Am I advocating sin? Oh, no. You need to stay away from sin. Sin will kill you, whether you're born again or not. You want to continue in it, you'll get there before a lot of us. Praise God. So, those areas in your life that God's dealing with you in, he'll enable you to overcome them. But you've got to trust him. Does it mean that it's easy? Oh, absolutely not. If you've ever tried to lose weight with an irregularity, you understand it's not easy. Because the refrigerator's right in the kitchen. I mean, if you had to drive a couple of blocks to get to it, it might be easier. Okay? And then there's that guy that goes to the grocery store, and for some reason he buys cookie and ice creams. Yeah. Somebody needs to talk to him. Get him straightened out. Praise God. So there are some disciplines that need to take place in the lives of believers. And that discipline is, is one of those words that you don't like to hear from the, the pulpit. Because that means then we have some responsibility. And if we'll not accept our responsibility as a born-again believer in Christ, as a son of God, then you will not get to the level or the place God has called you to. Praise God. Do you all want to be the very best God has designed you to be? Yes. Amen. We do. So there's some things then that God wants to deal with us in. Okay? And some of those things that he's called us to and haven't really happened has caused our hope to be deferred. Hmm. Second Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who causes us always to triumph in Christ. Who always leads us in triumph. Always. Everybody say always. always. Now that word leads is important. Which means that you've got to follow him into triumph. In America... We're told you got to do it yourself. You work hard, you'll prosper. There's truth in that. We need to be hard workers. God has placed us in this world to become the blessing to the rest of the world. This nation has prosperity that is beyond imagination. If you have a place to live, something to ride in, a car, even a bicycle. Have some food in your refrigerator and water in your house. You are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Praise God. One of the things that needs to happen to us as believers is we need to begin to look at what we have and who we are rather than what we don't have Because what we don't have will always be a louder voice 
because we live in a negative world. It's tough to be a positive person in this kind of world. You can say amen there if you'd like. Praise God. God is the one who had the idea to prosper you because you're his. If God uses gold for streets in heaven, the things we consider valuable, God uses as work, material, to build temples and streets. What does he consider valuable? You. You are his value. Praise God. If you understand that you are precious and valuable to him, just like you are, then you'll allow him into those areas that you put those walls up. Sometimes those walls have to come down. Amen. Do you pull them down for everybody? No. There's some folks that you don't need to tell stuff to. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there are people who gossip sometimes. Obviously, there's not anybody here that does that. Okay? But your heart belongs to God, and his heart belongs to you. Amen? Amen. So as we keep moving towards him, our heart grows and the revelation of his heart and love towards us begins to grow. And the more you feel accepted, the more you are accepting. Praise God. That ought to be a bumper sticker, I think. Praise God. I'm sorry, we're running a little over and let me... Finish up with this verse. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but, everybody say but. When the desire comes, it, it what? It, the desire, is a tree of life. So there's a comma there between the and, or between sick and but. The comma means that you just slow down a bit, but you need to read on. Many becomes the connecting or the conjunction here. Let me read that again. Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is the tree of life. The comma is after sick and buts the conjunction. Everybody say conjunction. Conjunction means that it joins what's said before to what's being said now. But when the desire comes, the desire for what? Okay, whatever you're desiring, whatever you're hoping for, it's a tree of life. It means then that if we don't stop, he won't stop. Praise God. Now, there are some of, some of us in this room today that there's some things that you've desired, some things that you might even have begun but set aside because you got frustrated. You got hurt. You got disappointed. And God's desire 
is to bring healing to your heart and resurrect that that was in your heart. Because for some of you, that dream originated with God and you were intended to be a blessing. He'll make a place for you when there is no place or you see that there is no place. Your God will open doors that you don't know are there. He'll close doors that you need to close. He will do for you because you belong to him. And if you can believe that, then you'll let him do what he wants to do. Amen. Now, is there anybody in the room that is dealing with those kinds of things? Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but I know there's a couple at least anyway. So if you bow your head and we'll, we'll just pray here. We'll say this, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me with your everlasting love. Thank you for the desire that you put in my heart. Thank you, Lord. A desire is built of vision and that vision is your will to come to pass. I submit myself to you to be used by you to become a blessing according to what you put in my heart. I rejoice in knowing that your hand is on me, that your life is in me, and your joy is my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Pastor. Praise God. Let's give Mr. Dick Hatfield a hand. Thank you, brother. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for your transparency along with the Word of God. People often, as I, I say, people can relate to folks that are transparent and truthful in line with the Word of God. And especially someone that has a voice like his. You listen to his voice just so soothing. Hmm. Deep. I love it. Thank you so much. But listen, as he had stated, you know, if that speaks to your heart in reference to your hope being deferred, uh, allow us, allow our prayer ministers to minister with you and for you and to lead you into the victory that already belongs to you as a child of God. Amen. And so they're awesome for that. But maybe there's someone here we can't leave, we shouldn't leave without allowing those that have not met Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's super important. Amen. That's the greatest hope of all, the hope of knowing that when you breathe your last breath, like Pastor Earl, you're going to go up and not down. Hallelujah. So as we stand as together, so Father, we thank you. And maybe that's you, that you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's close our eyes and just repeat after me. In your heart, you believe with your heart. Repeat after me. Father, I accept your son Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I come to you as a child of God. Accept your child as you said you would do. I denounce Satan 
and I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord. Thank you for being my Lord and Savior now. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it amazing how simple he makes that? It's so simple to miss hell and go to heaven for eternity. And maybe if that was you, don't walk out that door. Please come up here after we dismiss. Allow us to put some material in your hand and meet with our prayer ministers. Or maybe you're not filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. The victory that takes us over and above and beyond. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come up here and allow us to lead you in that so that you can walk this life and the Holy Spirit can take you over and beyond your, your, your wildest dreams and your imagination because he does that. That's what the word of God says he would do. Or if you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate in Jesus' name. And so uh, before we dismiss, listen, as we stated earlier, don't take for granted this freedom that we have. Many of us that are off work uh, to, on tomorrow, there's a reason for that we have that freedom, this independence that we have. Amen. So thank God for that. So, Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you for the word that we received this morning through your man of God. And just thank you so much that you have given us the victory in Christ Jesus. And we celebrate this life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed and you are blessed. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Dick Hatfield. Praise the Lord.